0: Hello and welcome to Keeping Innovation Alive, hosted by Bill Nottingham. Sit back and dive in with us as we speak with corporate innovators and founders that are driven to keep innovation alive.
1: We are kicking off a series of three encore episodes to wrap up the inaugural season of our podcast, Keeping Innovation Alive. Our next guest really needs no introduction. Jim McCann is a successful entrepreneur, business leader, author, media personality, and philanthropist, whose passion is helping people deliver smiles. Jim's belief in the universal need for social connections and interaction led to his founding of 1-800-Flowers.com, Inc., which he has grown into one of the world's largest leading floral and gourmet gifting companies. Jim's willingness to embrace new technologies that enhance customer engagement, such as 800 phone numbers and e-commerce, often long before other retailers, has consistently helped his family of companies grow including Harry and David, Cheryl's Cookies, Popcorn Factory, and many more. I'm sure many of us have used these companies. And In fact, this actually reminds me I need to get one more gift for the holidays. Well, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for joining the show, Jim. I've, I'm honored for you to take some time out of your day to, to join us and uh, to share some insight. You know, To start off, I, I really have, have always been wanting to know this, and I, I've heard some of the original story but what was, what was the true inspiration? What really got you into this business?
0: What, what got us into this business was uh, perspiration, <laughs> not inspiration. Was, it's, it's all about the choices we make as young people and even as we get older in terms of what our options are and what our open paths are. So I grew up in, uh, in a very blue-collar area in Queens, New York, South Queens. Uh, my dad was a small businessman. He was a painting contractor. You know, I had a crew of you know, a dozen, two dozen men. Uh, so I grew up working for him in our neighborhood. Our role models were uh, uh, shopkeepers, uh, uh, civil servants, uh, policemen, firemen, uh, a few people who would put on a suit, take the train into the city, Manhattan, and, uh, and work in offices. But we couldn't imagine what, what did they do in that office all day in that nice suit. And uh, there were some other uh, role models too. Uh, one of my neighbors was a fellow by the name of John Gotti, but we were encouraged not to pursue that, that line of work. Uh, so uh, I thought I'd become a, a policeman and uh, did not apply myself terribly uh, well in school. But I wound up going, uh, after a couple of false thoughts, wound up going to John Jay College of Criminal Justice, which was a uh, part of the city university, New York still is. Uh, and I thought I'd become a policeman. Uh, along the way, I, I wound up by accident. Uh, I had a friend, I was working in a, in a, in a bar in, uh, in Queens, neighborhood place. One of my uh, customers slash friends uh, worked in a home for teenage boys. And it was a group home. And I'd ask him about it all the time. These are tough kids, had tough circumstances. And it just intrigued me what he did. And he was a great guy. And eventually he said to me, geez, why don't you come have dinner with me and the guys one night? You seem interested in what we do. I'd love to introduce you to, to my guys. So it was a, a two-story brick house in a very tough neighborhood in New York. And I uh, went visit with him, had dinner. And after dinner, he said, come on downstairs. He had an office in the basement. And uh, it was quite a, quite a nice house built, built specifically for that purpose. And he, we go down to his office and we sit back and talk. He said, well, what did you think? I said, Jesus, great guys. I thought it was really interesting. He said, well, would you do me a favor? I said, what's that? He said, can you work tonight? I had nobody to work tonight, I said, well, "What does that involve?" He goes, "Well, you're on duty now. You make sure after dinner, you know, everyone does their schoolwork, gets to gets to to their rooms. So we had boys in single rooms and double rooms, and uh, and then there's a room in the back that would be yours. You get up in the morning, get them all out, breakfast, and after school, and I'll be back in the morning. And that's how I started my career, which lasted 14 years, and I loved it, uh, Bill. It was uh, so. You know, I was very young. I was." just 20 years old, 20, 20, 21. And uh, I was just six months older than the oldest boy in the group. (laughs) And I was terrible at it, but it was an adventure. And it it was such a learning experience for me. I learned so much about myself. I became my father instantly. (laughs) All the things I swore I'd never say that he said I was saying right away. But it was a great growth experience for me. It's the not-for-profit social work world. So I said options and choices. Uh, Mary Lou and I married very young. We started a family very young. And working in the not-for-profit social work world, you get paid nothing. So I was always doing things on the side to supplement my income. I got promoted pretty quickly in that world and wound up at 24 as one of the administrators of this home for boys. We had about 200 boys and a staff of about three or 400 people between our group homes and our main main home. So it was wonderful. i learned so much, developed as a person, as a professional, uh, but stuff we did. So uh, back to bartending to supplement my income. I'm now working as administrator, so it's not 24/7 anymore. And uh, I'm working at a bar in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, Friday and Saturday nights. Customer again, comes in, we become friendly. Saturday nights, he usually lingers late into the evening. He wounds up, he owns a flower shop across the street, tells me he's going to be selling it because he has a new business idea. And I'm thinking back in Queens, there was a guy who had a big flower shop on the corner, seemed to be very successful. It's retail. You work with people at a nice time in their lives. Maybe I could figure this out. Well, one of the other things I did on the side was buy rundown properties in tough neighborhoods, fix them up, sell them, or rent them out. And I had just sold a property in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and I had a ten thousand dollar profit in it. And I said to this fellow Nick, I said, Nick, what are you asking for that flower shop? So he told me uh, ten thousand dollars. I thought this is serendipity. I said, Nick, do you mind if I come work there a couple of Saturday afternoons before I come to work in the bar? He said, Sure, but why? I said, Maybe I'm a buyer. I did. I liked it. I I thought I could figure it out. Wound up buying that flower shop with the idea of not just becoming a florist, which of course I did, but of building a business and growing it. So I kept my full-time job as the administrator at Home for Boys and every other waking hour I put into growing my flower shop business. And I opened another shop every six months for several years, then every three months. And then I I obviously had to then leave the home, uh, stayed involved with it for many years doing their fundraising because they're good people doing a really good work. And uh, then, uh, and then I was off to full time being in
1: the flower business. Wow, talk about perspiration, multi levels. <laughs>
0: well, it was. You know, we weren't smarter than anybody else out there, but definitely willing to work longer and harder than anybody else.
1: You know, it's it's interesting to see how you saw past what someone was saying to see what potential could happen.
0: Well, you know, I, I was always looking at what businesses I, I I could get in. Obviously, it derailed my path of going on to the police department, which. Uh, which would have been an honorable thing to do as well. And so I always had an inkling to get in. And whatever I was going to be involved in, just genetically, I think I, I'd want to grow it. I mean, even when we ran a Home for Boys, we were always looking at how can we help more? How can we build more group homes? How can we take more kids into our foster care program? It's, you know, growth is the, the great, uh, great elixir uh, in anything, even in the not-for-profit world. So we were always looking to how can we grow anything we're involved in. How can we make the painting business bigger? How can we make our real estate holdings bigger? How can we help more more kids in the home? It's always growth is magic, as you know. It I know that all the clients, you, all your clients, come to you because they want to re-energize growth. They want to bring innovation to the market. They want a, a new twist on things, and they say, "Look, we can't figure it out here. We need an outside facilitator." to help us look at this set of issues and find a different path to a different outcome.
1: Yeah, certainly. And it is about seeing that outside perspective and looking at things from a different view. Can you share a certain story in particular that was a pivotal point where you were challenged and you had to, to think differently and you know, take an innovative step towards a new direction? Well, I'd say the most
0: recent challenge is the one that comes to mind most because we're still living it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know if you've heard about this whole COVID thing. <laughs> But it's it's changed so many things. I mean, who could have? I I could not have imagined a a global pandemic. And I remember the morning that COVID really took hold for me Mm -hmm. was March eleventh, two thousand twenty. We were in Manhattan at our Manhattan office, and we had had a breakfast for about fifteen young entrepreneurs who we've come across, who we like and admire and respect. We all felt it that morning. You know, should we meet? Should we have breakfast? It was the day that the NBA pulled the plug on the on their schedule. Our office was not uh, was just walking distance from Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden said they were canceling the, the basketball tournament uh, that they were hosting that night. Uh, I remember leaving the city that night, uh, uh, the only person on my train car saying, wow, this is big, this is different. Yeah. But I could never have imagined uh, how big it's become. And so as, as we think about our world now from a business point of view, but hopefully it's something that we've learned to deal with and it's more in our past. Mm-hmm. But the, at the fiery beginning days of COVID, as an organization, we were challenged dramatically. And my brother, Chris, is the CEO of our company. And uh, he started, he took that over about five years ago. And I'm the chair now. But at first, we, we didn't know if there'd be any business. Mm-hmm. And we had to go from everybody works in a place to you know a lot of people working remote. So the challenges, I don't... Everyone knows what they were. You know, how do you keep your people healthy? How do you keep functioning? How do you keep your supply chain? How do you keep logistics? How do you keep people working in your production, in your agriculture, and a you know, pretty vertically integrated shop? Mm-hmm. So it was terribly challenging. The good news is while people were locked down on need for social intimacy, for connectivity, to, to have and uh, serve relationships, Uh, became more paramount than ever. And so people were looking to connect when they couldn't do it in person. And so our demand took off like a rocket ship for our food gifts at Harry and David and Cheryl and Company, our cookies, our popcorn factory, our chocolate businesses, simply chocolate, um, our, uh, our, our gift basket business, which is heavily food gift baskets, our steak business called Stockyards, everything. Demand just took off. So keeping up with it was an enormous challenge. As I mentioned, my younger brother, Chris, is our CEO. So the management team was consumed with how do we handle the demand? How do we take care of our customers? How do we take care of our people, keep them safe operating? Where do we buy plastic containers? Where do we get PPE? Where do we get sanitizing? All all those issues. So that freed up me. And uh, so we call that Big Army. Mm -hmm. And me and a a band of uh, two or three or four of my merry followers here, let's call us small army. Mm-hmm. And how can we accelerate some of the things that we've been looking to do to change the nature of our relationship with our consumers? And so while the big army was busy and couldn't pay attention to us, we went about that. And the, for instance there, Bill, is we, I started writing a letter every Sunday to our customers who more and more we think of not as customers, but members of our community. As you know, because you were kind enough to say that you've read it, we call it the Celebrations Pulse. And we don't try and sell anything in the pulse. But what I started doing was just writing about what we were experiencing, what we were feeling, and very often coming back to our touchstone relationships. How important they are, how necessary they are, how we are fulfilled when we have good and meaningful relationships, and how we're not fulfilled when we don't. And we talked about calendar events and how we were going to celebrate things that you know we couldn't be in person for, what we were doing in our family, what we were doing in, in, in the company. And uh, Bill, it's, it's, uh, it's changed our lives. It's changed our lives because our, our customers have become our community. They respond to the letter. Uh, uh, we're now at a circulation of seven and a half million readers every Sunday. And that's uh, overwhelming to me personally. Because so many people are now sharing stories back with us, interacting with us in different kinds of ways. And I don't need to do the research to say that if we have a really important one-on-one service mentality relationship with our community, that we don't have to say, oh, by the way, we have need flowers. that we will earn their consideration when a gift of one of our gifts, a flower, a food gift, a Harry and David product when when that's appropriate, we've earned their consideration like we would have if we, we were their neighbor and we shared uh, shed uh, snow shoveling responsibilities uh, during the winter time.
1: That word community is really a great word. And I think what what happens is is you develop this two-way conversation. And I think people start relating, what they're doing for others to the purpose of why it was created in the first place. And it really makes it a truly authentic story. And that's something for a lot of businesses to think about.
0: The work we do to uh, to produce uh, right, the Right to Celebration Pulse every week, saying that work product is similar, why don't we turn it into a podcast too, so we invite our community in behind the curtain a little bit more. The people we're getting to meet, the conversations like with you, Bill, that we're beginning to have. I mentioned that we uh, Recently, had a conversation with a young lady named Amanda Klutz, who has a best-selling book out uh, called "Live Your Life." Uh, I, I don't have her idea, but Amanda's a, a terrific young lady who uh, is quite successful as an entertainer. She came to New York from your state, from, from Ohio. Uh, she was grew up in uh, Canton, Ohio, and uh, she came to New York at 18 to be a rockette, and she was. And then she went on to Broadway and living here in New York, and she meets a wonderful fellow on a show called Bullets Over Broadway. His name is Nick Codero, a well-known Broadway and TV actor, Tony nominated. They fall in love, they marry, and they have a little boy, and COVID hits, and he gets misdiagnosed, it was so early, winds up in the hospital, loses his leg, and 95 days later passes away. So she wrote a book about this whole experience and the importance of relationships throughout this process, how she and her siblings. Siblings grew closer. How our parents picked up and moved to the West Coast to help her through this. The uh, importance of a community, the physical community. They lived in LA. Uh, the, the the theater community who rallied around her. Uh, just mm-hmm. and how they survived. The little boy's name is Elvis. When you hear someone. Who can articulate a story like that with so many lessons for us all it comes back to what you said before relationships are the cornerstone of everything Never, ever once bill met somebody said to me you no know, i have way too many people who love me in life i have way too many good relationships i don't have room for anymore i've never met that person and i don't think i ever will and she tells the story uh, and articulates it so well Of even going through tragic times if you have the right attitude And you have the right lens in your glasses it's not going to be less painful but on the other side it there are lessons to be drawn and relationships that can be nourished and developed There is a result of any experience good or bad that can serve you and that other person in the form of your relationship for the rest of your life so she's teaching that lesson and we we try and learn from small people like that and so we've created this whole communication series of things we're doing we even created something called our Connectivity Council, a group of people I can go to regularly, talk to, ask them about issues that our community is dealing with, that we're dealing with, share that information back with our community, be the share it forward, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, something we talk about a lot here. And so people say, wait a minute, my florist has a a mental health advisory panel called the Connectivity Council. It's sort of a cognitive speed bump. People sort of go, what, what? <laughs> we don't just know.
1: sell flowers.
0: <laughs> it's a personal journey for me in terms of I get smarter every day, every hour, being able to interact with these people. We have this Connectivity Council. We have the Pulse. We now have the Chatter, our
1: uh, a podcast podcast. That's really great because you could hear like verified information. There's so much information on the internet, but if it's coming from a source that you know a little bit more behind, it doesn't seem like it's going to be something that will take you down the wrong path.
0: Yes, we'll do our regular kinds of advertising, but if we can find a format where we can be helpful to ourselves, have good feelings about it, learn, share, develop and do that with a broader group of people, it, it just takes us back to my first flower shop on the Upper East Side of New York, when we had 40 customers 40 years ago that made that shop go. And now we're trying to mimic that same relationship 40 years later, not with the 40 customers that we had then, but with the 40 million customers we have. And you can only do that by using these new technologies like you're demonstrating.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing too, is Let's be honest. They always say that true change happens when there is some some sort of dramatic event of sorts. Now, no doubt it was, but this whole digital community is something that I think was truly birthed from a lot of this unfortunate scenario. You know, this is, uh, you know, Jim, I want to say this has been, been really great to have you join me today. And it really makes you think about life and and community and even your business and how you share that with others and And never stop learning. The
0: the good news is we never stop learning and even as we get older you realize how much more there is to learn. I'm curious and I get to speak with people like you and get to go visit your shop and see all the creative and uh, imaginative things you do and
1: realize okay it's okay that I'm not creative and imaginative I just need to know people who are. But you're very giving and I think that does come across in everything you do not just in your products but even what you're doing now with your platform. And I commend you for that. Thank you very much for joining. All right, buddy.
0: Thank you for joining our latest episode. We hope our discussion inspired you to keep innovation alive. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. We hope you join us next time.